It's a Monday mailbag. We've got your questions about Clayton Beater and Noel V. Marte, the pre-arbitration bonuses that were announced over the weekend, and some Rule 5 acquisition guys from last week's draft. Let's talk about it. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked on MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, baseball writer and podcaster. Thank you for making this your first listen every single day. And as we do every single Monday, all these questions come from listeners of the show. If you have a question for the mailbag, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball, show's on Twitter at Locked on Farm. You can email us, Prospects at gmail.com or... Some of these came from the new Locked on MLB Prospects Discord. If you want to join, join us. It's a great time. Link is in the episode description and or the show notes for this show. First question from Bacon on the Discord asks, What is wrong with Clayton Beater? What am I missing and why did the Yankees think that he was a good trade for Joey Gallo? Uh, so what is missing? Like, what, are you, like, what is wrong with Clayton Beater? Nothing. Uh, I think this is something where when you look at the splits and you look at uh, what he did post-trade, it makes a little bit more sense. So to back up a little bit, 2020 first round supplemental out of Texas Tech by the Dodgers. Um, had Tommy John in high school, started off as a closer at Texas Tech, moved to starting. 6'2", 220, and uh, did not have a great year last year in A for the Dodgers before he got traded. 18 games. 16 of those were starts, uh, 5.75 ERA and an 0-3 record, 51 and two-thirds innings pitched, 88 strikeouts, so the stuff is there, 15.3 walks per nine, to 35 walks, 6 walks per nine, and 10 home runs allowed, about 1.7 home runs per nine innings. Uh, came over to the Yankees, and a couple things changed, and the production was much better for A Somerset. Seven games, all starts, uh, 0-0 record. We don't care too much about wins and losses in the minors, but still notable in this case. 2-1-3 ERA, 25 and a third innings, 41 strikeouts, so 14 and a half strikeouts per nine, to 11 walks, so 3.9 walks per nine, one home run allowed, so 0.4 per nine. Couple things here when it comes to Clayton Beater. The first one is the ERA that he had for the full season is a little bit misleading, okay? If you take out those two relief appearances he had with the Dodgers, the ERA drops from 5.75 to 4.83. So, one, he wasn't as bad as he looked on paper once you, I mean, and granted, I just take out two relief appearances, but take out those abnormal things from how he normally operated you know, having to come in in relief as a starter, and it looks a lot better. Two, uh, his mechanics got tweaked a little bit by the Yankees, from what I can tell. So when you watch him, a lot of the film I have of him is from his time with the Dodgers. And when his foot hits the ground, his arm hasn't quite gotten to 45 degrees yet. It's kind of lagging behind. And so... I feel like that's probably a little bit of a struggle when it comes to the velocity. And that's one of the things I specifically remember 
Spencer Strider talking about he fixed when he got from Clemson to the Braves. They worked with him on his arms speeding up to catch up to his body, so he was getting full use of the kinetic chain. Uh, and his foot it hit, hit 45 degrees when his foot planted, whereas right now, Clayton Beater lags a little bit behind that. I'm not saying Clayton Beater is the next Spencer Strider, but I'm saying that it's a similar adjustment that Strider said he made and it unlocked a little bit of extra velo for him, gave him a little more consistency. So I think that's something that I'm sure the Yankees have already been working on. I feel good about their ability to develop some of their pitchers. And then the pitch mix changes are another thing. The uh, fastball curveball is really, um, really Beater's kind of thing, right? It's a power curveball. And then to go along with it, he's got fastball sits 95 or so. He can touch 98 with it. He likes to throw it in the top of the zone. And it does that thing where it you've got the fastball that kind of rides. And then you have a vertically breaking curveball. A lot of spin to it. Kind of a top to bottom pitch. And so it can drop below the zone for swings and misses. But it plays games with you vertically. Right? Your eyes up for the fastball. And now you swing over a curveball. He has a, back in college, he had a slider that I thought could have gotten to plus. And the Dodgers kind of had him scrap it to focus on the curveball. And the, knowing the Yankees like we do, knowing that they like those, those horizontal breaking sliders, those sweepy sliders, bringing that slider back, and it was kind of a harder slider in the mid-80s when he had it in college, but bringing that slider back, I think can give you a different viewpoint. Um, I've heard a couple of pitchers talk about the triangle, right? Where you want to be able to get uh, a hitter in three different locations as far as up and either left or right or up and down and to one of the sides. And so that kind of helps complete the triangle there and give him a third pitch. So if he can work on some of these things, I don't see a reason why he can't be, I mean, He's, he's considered to be a reliever now. I mean, the fastball curveball is like high leverage relief, I mean, setup man or closer kind of level. But I think if you can get that slider, if the Yankees can do some of their slider magic like they do, I think you can get it to be a good enough third pitch where you can tr- keep him as a starter. You can try him as a starter. Obviously, the results were a lot better in Somerset. I know it was seven games, but... The results were better. I want to see him work a little bit deeper into games. The uh, The Dodgers are very protective of their, their arms, especially a guy who had had TJ before. Uh, he didn't get to work very deep into games. Obviously, didn't get to do a lot of it with the Yankees either. But something that supposedly they've told him, and from what I'm hearing, is that he's going to be allowed to work deeper into games, uh, have more have more of a chance to, to get into the third time in the order, or at least through the second with the Yankees. So I look for him next year uh, to still be a starter. Hopefully, if this stuff sticks, I feel like he could be a pretty effective one. Uh, While we're on the topic of guys that were traded for last year, got a question about Noel V. Marte of the Reds. 2018 IFA from the Mariners. You remember he was the key piece of the Luis Castillo deal. And it's wild because there are so many good prospects with the Reds, and yet Noel V. Marte is like still... He's still in the top five. Uh, There's a question about whether he's going to stick at shortstop or not. He's about 6'1", 195 right now. 
And there's a question whether or not he'll be able to stay there. But I think either way, he's going to be a middle-of-the-order power threat. So in Seattle, or with Seattle in high A in Everett, 275, 363, 462 in 85 games. He had 15 home runs, 34 extra base hits, with 84 strikeouts to 42 walks. So struck out almost once a game, walked about once every other game, 13 to 19 on stolen bases. So you can kind of see, you know, going for home runs, that kind of stuff, the, the power there. Uh, with the Reds in Cincinnati and high A Dayton, smaller sample size again, but 30 games, 292. 397, 443. So he improved uh, the batting average by about 20 points. He improved the on base by about 35 points. Slugging came down a little bit from 462 to 443. And he only hit four home runs and had eight extra base hits. But 23 walks to 17 strikeouts. Uh, the, the strikeout rate came down. The walk rate went up. And then 10 to 13 on stolen bases. Kept the same success rate, a, a better success rate. Uh, and per like on a per game basis more opportunity so he ran more uh was trying to go for less power a little more plate discipline and I think the real Noel Marte is probably somewhere in there but this is a very good window into the possible outcomes for Noel Marte. right uh on the high end you've got a power bat who is going to put up a slugging you know closer to 500 on the lower end, you've got a guy who's going to hit closer to 300 with a batting average of the on base of close to 400 and is going to be a threat on the bases, and, you know, and be more successful on the base paths. Two different ways here. Either way, I still think Noel V. Marte has the tools. I'd probably give him a 60 or 65 on power, and it's not just pull power. He can hit it to all fields. I think he's legitimately deserving of being a top three prospect. I think he's deserving of being a top 50 prospect in all of baseball, which he is by Baseball America, MLB Pipeline, all of those folks. And the only real kind of question I have is defensively, is he going to be consistent enough to stick it short or does he have to move to third? Going to be a really interesting conversation to kind of see what happens there. And just a minute, I want to get to the pre-arbitration pool program. About 100 players learned they were getting some money over the weekend. Uh, b- but first, speaking of money, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. Football, college and pro, basketball, college and pro, both men and women, soccer, the World Cup is going on right now, things are still happening, I have no clue, but people are following that, if you're not a outdoor grass type of sport person, esports is in there right now, you can bet on who's going to get kills in uh, different games, things like that, if you've got everything at betonline.net. Uh, It's the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action because BetOnline is where the game starts. Okay, so something that they introduced last year in the new collective bargaining agreement is called the Pre-Arbitration Bonus Pool Program. And what this is, is this is for players who have not yet uh, reached arbitration. So they they begin the season with less than three years of service time, and they have not qualified for arbitration via Super 2 status. So you are in year one, year two, or year three of making the league minimum 
uh, for your position, you know, for for your years of service. Uh, it's a fifty million dollar bonus pool. I believe this was funded by MLB, so this came out of MLB revenues, uh, and it's divided two different ways. Placement and end of year award voting is eleven point two five million dollars of it, and then the remaining thirty eight point seven five is based on statistical performance. And the way that is measured is by a specific formula to calculate wins above replacement. Uh, People who follow a lot of this stuff, you'll know there's a lot of different ways to calculate war. Fangraphs has one. Baseball uh, Reference has one. Baseball Prospectus has one. There's a lot of different ways. And so as part of this pool, MLB and MLBPA uh, actually made their own war metric. And it's called joint war. This is what they agreed on together to account to weight. They have a separate calculation for hitters than for pitchers. And we don't know if this follows the Fangraphs one or baseball ref. Like, we don't know which one they based it off of or what it's closer to. But this is what they have. Now, uh, of these of these players, three players earned bonuses of more than $2 million. Remember, it's $50 million across a total of a, of 100 players. Uh, Dylan Cease of the Chicago White Sox uh, finished with $2.4 million. $2,457,426 is how much he was awarded. You'll remember he finished second in the AL Cy Young voting. So... I'm sure there's a significant component here, both for year-end award voting and joint war. Number two, a guy that you heard all the way through October, outfielder Jordan Alvarez of the Houston Astros. $2,381,143. The third player, starting pitcher Alex Manoa of the Toronto Blue Jays. He received just over $2 million. $2 million. $191,023. There was another eight players that got bonuses worth at least $1 million. So Zach Gallen of the Arizona Diamondbacks, $1.67 million. Julio Rodriguez, who American League Rookie of the Year, $1.55 million. Now, this ignores the fact that they've signed contract extensions. Let me clarify on that, because both Julio Rodriguez and Michael Harris and Spencer Strider are all on this list. They all got over a million dollars. The fact that they signed contract extensions during the year does not matter. The qualifications were uh, they began the season with less than three years of service time and were not yet in arbitration via Super 2 status. That's the qualifications for this. So... Julio Rodriguez, Rookie of the Year, $1.55 million. Michael Harris, National League Rookie of the Year, $1.36 million. Uh, We don't know exactly what there was. I assume they probably got the same award for Rookie of the Year for being first place. And then the difference would be statistically, if you remember, Julio Rodriguez was up for the entire season. Michael Harris started uh, in the minors and came up in like May. And so, or yeah, something like that. And so, so the reason that those amounts would be different would be because Julio Rodriguez accumulated more total uh, joint WAR because he was in the big leagues for longer, and I think statistically outproduced Michael Harris on some of the on the counting stats. 
Uh, and so that would be why. Uh, Emmanuel Clace, reliever for the Guardians, $1.35 million. Andres Jimenez, $1.3 million. Um, Adley, Adley Rutschman, catcher for the Orioles, $1.17 million. Uh, Kyle Tucker, the, the right fielder for the Houston Astros, $1.15 million. And then Spencer Strider, $1,077,294. Uh, everybody, apparently everybody who got more than $1 million from the pool got a bonus for their placement in the year-end awards, whether it was Rookie of the Year, whether it was Cy Young, whether it was MVP. Uh, Ryan Helsley and Will Smith, the catcher Will Smith, also um, were in year-end awards and got bonuses, but they didn't break a million dollars. Sean Murphy and Tommy Edmond didn't get any votes in the awards, but they were fourth and fifth in the joint war ranking, and so they each earned more than $700,000. Uh, there were a bunch of other players that earned at least $500,000. Stephen Kwan, the outfielder. Bo Bichette. Alejandro Kirk. We've talked about him plenty on the show. The catcher. Nestor Cortez, the pitcher. Logan Webb. Shane McClanahan, get real, get well soon, buddy. Cal Rally, uh, Dalton Varsho, who, while you can draft him in fantasy as your catcher because he hit 27 home runs as an outfielder, uh, he still has eligibility next year. Uh, Nico Horner, the Cubs, Tristan McKenzie, six McKenzie of the Guardians, and Tony Gonsolin of the Dodgers all earned at least $500,000 on top of the league minimum salary that they're making now. Now, the way logistically that this works is they get paid this by the club directly, just like they get their payroll. This usually happens via direct deposit. Uh, so they'll get this directly from their organization, and then the commissioner's office reimburses the organization out of the pool because MLB collected this money and holds this money. In just a minute, I want to get to some of the Rule 5 acquisitions. We've got some specific questions about specific Players going to specific teams. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Simply Safe at Locked on MLB Prospects. We think home should be where you and your family feel safest, especially over the holidays. So this season, give yourself and your family the gift of peace and protection with the number one rated home security system, Simply Safe. Right now, Simply Safe is offering Locked on MLB Prospects listeners 40% off a new security system. Don't put this off. Because this is like the, the time of year you want to do this. Here's why I love it. We travel for minor league baseball games. We travel for college baseball games. We travel for visiting family, things like that. And whenever we do that, somebody ha is, there's usually somebody going to be coming by to check on an animal at our house. Whether we have a, like a cat here or something. Or just checking in on the house in general, making sure everything's fine. I've got... My phone with me at all times. And on the Simply Safe app, I can view all of my cameras. I can lock and unlock doors, arm and disarm the alarm. I can talk to people at the front door through the doorbell camera. I can talk to people in my house. So if I ever have a need for a vendor to come by, a service call on something, and I can't be home, I can let them in. I can watch them while they work on it. Like I have complete control over what happens in my house. I can see everything. It's all saved to the cloud automatically. If the alarm goes off, 
The FastProtect technology from Simply Safe, the professional monitoring agents who are there 24-7, can view all of this same stuff. They can verify a threat is real when they call me so that we get highest priority police response because it is a verified threat versus the door was unlocked and wasn't latched or something. So, whole home, whole home security, sensors in every room, window and door, cameras, you build your own system. Uh, that's why New, U.S. News and World Report named them the best home security system of 2022, and it was the third straight year that they had won it. Don't miss your chance to save big on this system. You get 40% off a new system at simplysafe.com slash LockedOnMLB today. At simplysafe.com slash LockedOnMLB, there's no safe like Simply Safe. Okay, Tyler in his email asked about uh, outfielder Jared Olivia, acquired by the Angels in the Rule 5 draft, and kind of wants to know what does it look like here? Uh, what are the odds of him sticking with the Angels? So he was with the Pirates, kind of a 2017 seventh rounder out of the University of Arizona, and we're not that far removed from where he was a top 30 prospect. So part of the reason he's kind of fallen off the list, he's gotten 26 games in the bigs. He got six in 2020 in that weird year. He got 20 in 2021. And his collective uh, numbers, 179, 220, 214 at the bigs in 26 games. Three walks to 16 strikeouts. But his AAA numbers for last year are better and kind of shows why he still has some promise, right? 266, 324, 429. Uh, Eight home runs, 33 extra base hits, 24 walks to 77 strikeouts, and 21 to 25 on stolen bases. So uh, first, some of the negatives here. Jared Olivia is... I think your power ceiling's a little bit limited, right? He's 6'2", 195, but despite the frame, the power isn't really there. 450 career minor league games, he has 25 home runs. And eight of them were in in Indianapolis in AAA last year. Uh, But he's also stolen 115 bases and only been caught 29 times. Uh, the, The pro is definitely the speed. Right, He has, I would give it 70 grade speed, Um, definitely is a situation where he's an above average defender in center and an average defender in the corners, but to go along with that, that speed is so great, 70 grade speed, and then the arm strength, average to above average, it's a situation where he absolutely can, can play as a fourth outfielder, defensive replacement. And I think if you can do a little work on the bat, career 269 hitter, you can get him to where um, he is he is above average offensively, despite having a kind of a power ceiling there. Uh, Jacob on Twitter asked about two guys that the Rays got, left-hand pitcher Keyshawn Askew and right-hand pitcher Kevin Kelly. Both of these guys, really interesting similarities here. They got these guys in trades, not actually rule five for Askew. Uh, he was the Brooks Raley trade. But uh, both of them do something a little bit unusual. So ask you, 2021 10th rounder out of Clemson. Uh, 66 and a third innings last year. And, and these were these were uh, low A, high A. They were not, not very high in the system innings. He was drafted in 2021. Uh, 66 and a third innings, 244 ERA, 
92 strikeouts to 28 walks. So three and a half walks per nine, 12 and a half strikeouts per nine, three home runs allowed. But what he does here is he's got a incredibly funky delivery, right? So he's fastball slider guy, but he is throwing practically sidearm. It's a really high leg kick and then the complete sidearm delivery. And so you're in a situation where he finishes across the body. You never see the ball until it comes out of his hand. And then it's coming to the plate in a very unusual approach angle, right? Because it's coming from a from from a sidearm slot. I mean, it's it's 90 degrees. It's completely horizontal. And so it's back to making a hitter uncomfortable, right? You've got a fastball. It's got a lot of arm side run because of the angle. You've got a slider that's a sweepy horizontal slider. And so this, the fastball is a little bit below average velocity for a lefty. I mean, it's right there, 90, 91, 92. But everything is super funky, throws you off, makes it kind of hard to pick it up. Despite the movement profiles and not really having anything to work on a lefty, he still doesn't have significant platoon splits, which is really great as well. So it kind of feels like the Rays are going after the guys that are a little bit funky to watch. Same thing with Kevin Kelly, right? Uh, 2019, 19th rounder out of James Madison. Uh, 48 games, all in relief last year. 57 in the third innings, 204 ERA. 75 strikeouts to 22 walks, so 11.8 strikeouts per nine, three and a half walks per nine, one home run allowed. Uh, Four seam, two seam slider, curveball. But he does the same thing with the release angle. So he actually can throw a more traditional over the top, but he frequently, and I think probably most of the time, will drop it down to a sidearm delivery as well. And so same idea, right? You've You've got a couple different pitches, you can do it from one or two different arm slots. He can throw everything from over the top, and I believe he's got the four-seam, two-seam, and slider all from the sidearm slot. So enough where if you just drop the, the slot, that doesn't tell him what's coming. Uh, but it's just really hard to pick it up as well because of the delivery angle. And so uh, it kind of feels like the Rays found two guys, and they said, you know what? Both of these guys, one relief, one starting, ask you the starter, Kelly the reliever. But both these guys can give visually a different picture to a hitter. And so you can help stuff, you know, suboptimal stuff play up if it's hard to pick up out of the hand and if it moves differently from what a hitter is expecting at the plate, like when it gets to the plate. So I don't necessarily know if this is a concentrated strategy of the Rays, if this is a coincidence of the Rays, but either way, I think it's really cool, and I'm excited to see what these two guys do. Askew's obviously going to be in the minors next year. I expect him to probably start off in high A and then move to double A. Kelly's going to be contending for a spot in the bullpen uh, out of spring training. Great week coming up this week. If you have questions for the show, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. Show's on Twitter at Locked on Farm. You can email us, LockedOnMLBProspects at gmail.com. And we now have a Locked on MLB Prospects Discord. Link is in the episode description below in the show notes. You can join it. Bunch of us there just uh, talking about baseball, going through different deals that come out, having chats about prospects. It's a great time. Until tomorrow's show, this has been Locked on MLB Prospects. <laughs>